Grab your Bibles and stand with me, please, if you can. We're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 11, but we're going to back up a few verses and go to Acts chapter 10, verse 43, where we left off last week. To Jesus, to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. I need to read that again. To Jesus, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever goes to church every Sunday, no. Whoever pays uh, tithes and offerings every week. To anyone who reads the Bible daily, Whoever believes. We could stop there and talk for an hour, but let's keep going. Do him or her will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, those Jews who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who had received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended. They argued with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh, my goodness. Saying, but Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In the trance I saw a vision. An object descended like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners. And it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. (laughs) Uh, That's a problem. No, Lord is an oxymoron. Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has of any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John, indeed, baptized with water, but you shall 
be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this turning point in history, this moment where most of us in this room were admitted, at least given the opportunity to come into the kingdom of God. Help us to understand as we worked our way through it that we might see you more clearly and leave this place differently than the way we came in. Do that, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people agreed by saying, Amen. You may be seated, please. I love the story of uh, the young boy with his dad who were sitting at McDonald's one morning having breakfast together. And uh, the boy noticed that uh, an older couple came in and sat kind of across from us. And uh, as they sat down, he noticed that they had one hamburger between them and one order of french fries. And uh, the man cut the hamburger in half, the older gentleman, gave half to his wife, and then counted out the french fries, one for her, one for me. And the boy leaned over to his dad and said, Dad, I don't think they have much money. Can I buy them a hamburger and another order of fries? He said, well, you probably ought to ask him. But go ahead, go over and ask him. And so he went over and he said, Sir, I'd like to buy you a hamburger and a french fries. It looks like you could use some more lunch. He said, oh, no, 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 son. You don't understand. We've been married over 50 years. And we share everything together. I give her half of my hamburger. Now she has half a hamburger. And he said, but, but she's just sitting there watching you. She's not eating. Why isn't she eating? And she said, oh, don't worry, young man. It's his turn to wear the dentures first. There's a visual you didn't want this morning, did you? Let me see if I can offend, offend you just a little bit more. Now, this section talks about food. And, and have you ever traveled in the world or been places where somebody gave you something to eat that you weren't quite sure you were ready to go there? You know, here in California, we have garden snails all over the place, and nobody thinks about eating them unless you're French. And if you grew up in France, then you'd be excited to have escargot growing in your garden. In China, we noticed that there were a lot of people eating with chopsticks live things in rice soup. And you'd catch the poor little shrimp and bite its head off and then eat the whole thing. Lovely, I know. In the uh, Philippines, the favorite delicacy is balu, which is a egg that is almost ready to hatch, and you eat it whole. Bird soup, yeah. In uh, Sardina, Italy, I watched a guy take a big round of cheese and put cheesecloth over it, and I asked him what he was doing. He said, well, we're waiting for the flies to come, and then they'll land on it, and they'll pretty soon the maggots will come up, and we'll scrape off the maggots and put it on bread. Mm. Did you have breakfast this morning? Sorry. In England, it's blood pudding. In Switzerland, blood sausage, pork intestine filled. Scotland, they have 
Pausati, which is, of course, a sheephead. Yes, all of it with the eyes. Here's looking at you. And the whales, uh, they have, uh, they eat crow there. I've eaten a lot of crow, but not that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, the blackbirds that fly around here. Yeah. Netherlands, you can have salted horse meat sandwich with peanut butter sauce. That's just not right. Uh, but what we feel when I describe those things to you might in a little way explain what the Jews were feeling when they heard that Peter had gone on into with Gentiles and had a meal because it was no holes barred when it came to eating in the first century. And I'm sure they were eating things that most of us here would not really want to have anything to do with. Well, Acts 10 and Acts 11 are a pivotal event in the history of the church. As we've been working our way through Acts, you'll remember it's really the story of the first church in Jerusalem originally after Pentecost. And then the church began to go out and share the gospel in Samaria and outside of the Judean area right around Jerusalem. And then it began to spread all over the world. And this is part of that. But up until this time, there were only Jewish Christians. What? In the world, there were either Jews or there were Gentiles, from the Bible point of view. If you were a Jew, it was because you were an offspring of Isaac, Abraham's son. If you were a Gentile, you were everything else. And so most of us in this room have a Gentile background. And there were very little restrictions on what you could eat as long as you could catch it kind of thing. In Acts chapter 10, something happened. Peter was confronted by God, and God used the picture of food. That's why I'm giving you all these bad stories, because uh, God is using food to describe Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. So we are at a pivotal event in history where we move from the left-hand side of the Bible, sitting on your lap, to the right-hand side, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from the law to grace. And it's a pretty dramatic change for those Jews who had accepted Jesus to actually accept themselves. And that's really what goes on in this conflict. They thought a person must be circumcised first, become a Jew first before they could become a Christian. Because the only ones that were Christians at that time had been Jews. And so don't be too hard on them. They were thinking that they would uh, just get everybody turned into Jews and then they could be saved into Christian. That's where we are in, the, in this chapter. There's three parts to it. Gentiles are saved in verse 43 through 48. And then in the first part of the next chapter, this legalism comes up. If you want a relationship with God, you have to keep the law. And the law will open doors for you with God. That was wrong. That was the old covenant. There is a new covenant coming. And then Peter's defense, when he goes back to Jerusalem, he gives his understanding of what happened. And I think this is a very important, still to this day, very important chapter, that a lot of Christian churches, a lot of denominations in the United States have not embraced the new covenant. Oh, they'll say we're New Testament Christians, 
but they still look to the 413 rules and regulations of the Old Testament to establish a relationship with God. That is absolutely wrong, and we'll see it as we go through here. So this is God bringing grace to Gentiles too. Grace. Grace is unmerited favor with God, that God decides to bless your life when you or I don't deserve it. Show us salvation. Show us a relationship with him, not because we're good enough, but because we want to have a relationship with him and will accept that it was our sin that put him on the cross. That's where we're going. Verse 43, to him all the prophets witness. So Peter's describing through his name, whosoever believes in him will receive remission, removal of sins. Pretty important verse. It's actually very close to the most well-known verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that whosoever should believe, this says, to him the prophet's witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes. Who's a whoever? Right answer, young lady. You're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. We're all whosoever's. Doesn't matter whether you're black or brown, yellow or red, whether you're female or male, whether you were born in this nation or somewhere else, whether you don't speak English or you do, or you have musical talents or you don't, and on and on, whatever list of human attributes you'd like to add to that, that doesn't establish a relationship with God. It's by your believing that Jesus Christ, I believe, I'll use myself, I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross and took upon the punishment that I deserve. On that cross, when he died, he paid the price. He was the great exchange. He was the substitute for my guilt and has removed it because I believe he's done that. So that's a pretty important verse. Whoever believes in him will receive removal in the sentence. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words. See, Peter's, that was the last verse of Peter's sermon at Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a centurion line officer, and he has family and friends that are gathered together because he was trying to have a relationship with God, but he was trying to do it through the Old Testament law. And it wasn't working. So Peter is explaining to all these people in this house what they need to do. And the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit came upon the people that were listening, not because they did something besides just believe what Peter was saying. That's what the verse before says that started it all. There's no formula for removing for, excuse me, for receiving the filling of the Holy Spirit. Although many different groups and denominations have tried to say, well, if you do this and then you do that and you do that, then God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you tongues. The gift of tongues is a gift that not everyone gets. Paul said so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Not all will speak in tongues, will they, he said. So you'll find yourself 
in those kind of uh, discussions, and this is where you go. These people are just sitting there listening, and they believe what Peter said, and the Holy Spirit filled their lives. And those of the circumcision who had come with Peter, who had come up from Joppa about 30 miles, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, six of them, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. That doesn't seem so shocking to us, but for them it was astounding that God was extending, expanding, making larger grace a huge tent to embrace the whole world. Seven billion people on the planet, whosoever should believe. Verse 44, for they had heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered them, verse 47, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? This is interesting because notice they're already received the Holy Spirit. They're already saved. Baptism doesn't save you. Hmm. But we are commanded to be baptized. It's a point of identification. When you go, I know many of you have been baptized in water. As, even as adults, I was, I was in, a, in a very holy place. I was in the YMCA in Riverside with the smell of chlorine bleach in my nostrils as I came up out of the water, but it was a very spiritual time for me. Was I saved before that? Absolutely. Was that an important spiritual step for me? Absolutely. So if you haven't received water baptism, we're commanded to do that in Matthew 28, 19, and then Acts 2, 38. The Holy Spirit will lead you into that. It's following God, and he'll tell you, he'll show you when. E. Stanley Jones was a missionary in Africa for many years, and he loved to tell the story about a friend of his who got lost in the bush in, uh, outside of Nigeria. And uh, there was nothing but vegetation around him and a few cleared places. He found a native hut after searching most of the day, and he asked the native if he could lead him out. The native said that he could. All right, said the missionary, show me the way. The native said, no, you must walk. And so they walked, and they hacked their way through and marked jungle for more than an hour. And the missionary got worried. Are you quite sure this is the way? Where is the path? And the native said, Why? This in this place, there is no path. I am the path. And I thought, you know, that brings new meaning to what Jesus said. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He's the path, and he'll lead you. So within this section, there's also some understanding about guidance and how to follow the Lord. We'll track it as we go. Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. This is all happening in, uh, yeah, Maritime. Now the apostles and brethren who were with verse one, with who were in Judea, excuse me, heard what the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So the work among the Gentiles in Caesarea wouldn't be a small thing. In, in fact, it was the trigger that would release Jews to preach to Gentiles. 
those of the circumcision. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision who had who thought that you had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian, contended with him. They criticized what Peter had done. They were thinking that he had eaten with them, and and that doesn't quite do it for us because in our society it's not quite the same. In the Middle East, if you invite someone to eat with you, you're, you're saying we are going to share sustenance together, you know, because it's the way that food is served in the Middle East. There's, uh, the closest thing we have in California is guacamole, right? And so you take your Dorito or whatever, and you dip it in it, and you put it in your mouth, and in California, it's understood you don't double dip. In the Middle East, no such understanding exists. And so they take a falafel and they scoop out dates and it's very tasty raisins and dates and walnuts ground up and honey and then you take a bite and then a little spit gets on your falafel and you put it back in and so you're swapping spit basically now don't give me that look you all kiss each other you know but okay so that's where their brain locked up saying you went into uncircumcised men who were not Jews, and you ate with them. And you probably had maggot-covered bread or something. What those Gentiles eat, oh my goodness, it's terrible. Jesus got criticized a lot for that. You remember Luke 5? He ran into a, a man who was collecting taxes and uh, at Capernaum, and his name was Levi, we would later know him as Matthew, the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. And when Matthew got saved, Jesus said, come follow me, and he got up and left his tax collecting and followed Jesus. When he got saved, he decided to throw a party for all his friends. But since he was a heathen dog up until that moment when he followed Jesus, all his friends were tax collectors too, or worse, prostitutes. And they were freaked out. Luke 5:27, and uh, Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them, and the scribes and Pharisees complained to his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with these tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, and he said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's quite a statement from God. I didn't come to collect up all the righteous people. I think that's a really important concept because I know a lot of people who have grown up in the church and we're always shocked by the hell's angel who comes in in a leather jacket and a Harley parked out in front full of tattoos and body piercings, and he comes forward and gets saved. Go, oh, my goodness. You know what's more amazing to me? is somebody that has a little pen that says 42 years of every Sunday attendance to the Sunday school, and they see their need to surrender to Jesus and have their sins removed. That's what's going on here. These Jews who had become Christians... Now we're thinking, oh, God's lucky to have us. Look how holy we are. 
I've watched a few Christians do that. God, you're so lucky to have me. <coughs> Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. So we walked through what happened. I was in the city of Joppa, praying. Joppa's 30 miles south. It's also a port city. And in a trance, I, in a trance I saw a vision. I think I just saw someone in a trance. Oh. <laughs> An object descended like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. Verse 6, and when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, non-kosher and kosher animals all mixed together. It's a zoo in a blanket. But the next words were more shocking to Peter. And her voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He's on a balcony and he falls asleep and God gives him this picture of a giant sheet or think a sail off a sailboat. And it's filled with really a zoo full of animals. But all sorts of things that weren't edible to Jews. You know, lobsters and crab cakes and bottom feeders and and pigs and, you know, bacon cheeseburgers and <laughs> bacon cheese, not together, not good. Anyway. And so he's stuck. He said, not so, Lord. I love Peter. No, Lord. That's, that, that doesn't work, Peter. No, Lord. Rise and eat. Kill and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord. For nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. This is an astounding statement. We don't know that about Peter anywhere else. You know, we know he's a fisherman, and, and Jesus says, follow me, and he leaves his fishing nets, and he follows them. But we had no idea that he had never tasted non-kosher food. He's a very observant Jew. But the voice answered, me from heaven has said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God has declared clean. When God says it's clean, it is, Peter, and that's the point for you and I also. You can't call common, impure, unholy, unacceptable something that God has said is. It now is edible. The holy was made common, but the common was made holy by a touch from Jesus. Remember all the lepers, ten lepers come, they were all saying, unclean, unclean. The crowd scatters. Jesus walks up and lays his hands on him and confers cleanliness, confers purity onto them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what God has called holy, you, because you've given your life to the Lord, don't say common. You are holy. Now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house. Peter still explaining what happened to him in Joppa, where I was having, having been sent to me from Caesarea. So he was down in the port city 30 miles south. It's a beautiful town, and that's Caesarea. That's kind of quick, guys. Uh, that's Caesarea, 30 miles to the north, and the south, the first one was Joppa. 
That's all you get, sorry. Verse 12. <laughs> then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. He wisely took six Jewish Christians with him. To, and we entered the man's house. He never calls Cornelius by his name, but that is the centurion's house in Caesarea they're going to. At that very moment, these men showed up. Spirit told me to go with them, and so I obeyed. When God tells you to do something, you go. Verse 13, he told us how he had seen, Cornelius says, I saw an angel in my house and said to me, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who was surnamed Peter. And he is uh, in this port 30 miles to the south. Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved? There's a promise. And I began to speak. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter says, I got this great sermon prepared. It's a three-pointer. And just as I started to explain it, all of a sudden, all these people in this room, Gentiles yet, began to speak in other tongues that they had never learned. Just like the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There was a mighty rushing wind. It sounded like wind. And then tongues of fire appeared over the people's heads. And then all of a sudden, as the city gathered, they could hear them speaking in their mother tongue, which they, the people that were listening, knew that those people didn't speak that language. All of a sudden, the guy who was in Jerusalem, who had come down from Italy, was speaking Italian or Latin. And uh, the Gaul who was coming down from the north was speaking German. And the one who came from Mongolia was speaking an unpronounceable language for them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and upon us at the beginning, just like it happened in Acts 2. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of God will be with fire. It will not just be with water. Therefore, God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed. When we believed. Verse 17. Wow, still back at 12? Hurry, guys, hurry. And therefore, God, thank you, God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed on the Lord. That word is so important. When we went through the Gospel of John, if you were here, 98 times the Holy Spirit repeats that word believe, trust in, cling to, rely on. When the Holy Spirit repeats something almost 100 times, it must be important here. We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withstand God because God had obviously saved them here? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Breakthrough moment in Jerusalem. Because these were the men who thought that you had to become a Jew first. Now, 
the discussion isn't done. In fact, it will work its way all the way through the book of Acts. And uh, there is silence here that is peace. They were teachable. We like to put God in a box. We think our understanding is the only one that there is. Go back and look at Acts 10, 43. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission, removal of sins. I was reading this week about a group of Norwegian missionaries that uh, were quite sophisticated, highly educated, and in 1721, they went to Greenland to bring the gospel, a church sent them, to bring the gospel to the Inuit people, the native who were there on the continent, small continent, the island. And uh, when they got there, they decided that they were so illiterate that they couldn't teach them uh, about Jesus. They had to start with the concept of God because they had no concept of God. And so they wrote, these people are in such darkness that it cannot be of any use to preach Jesus Christ to them at first. They do not even know that there is a God. So let us begin with te by teaching them the nature of God, showing them right and wrong, proving to them the need of the atonement for sin, and setting before them the rewards of the righteous and the penalties of the wicked. That was a grave mistake. For four years, they tried to teach them these concepts about God, and nobody was getting it. And finally, one of the Norwegian missionaries was reading the verses we just read, particularly verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. The Greenlander, who was illiterate, stopped him, and he said, would you please read that to me again? And he read it again. We'll receive remission of sins. And he said, what wonderful words. Whoever believes, could that mean that Jesus died for us Greenlanders too? <laughs> if, that if we believe, we might receive forgiveness of sin? The missionary answered that that was true. He said, well, why didn't you tell us that four years ago? <laughs> if you believe you will receive salvation for eternity would you stand please and we'll pray together thank you Lord that you love us and you have offered to us eternity that you are the great exchange your life for ours most of us in this room know that Lord and understand it but we pray for anyone here this morning that doesn't understand it and pray that you would send your Holy Spirit and give them grace to receive forgiveness of their sins. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this morning, maybe you're visiting for the first time, or maybe you've been here before, but you know, you don't need to be told that you're a sinner, you know you are. This is your opportunity to ask God to forgive your sins and receive salvation. If you would like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you're ready to surrender your life to God, would you let me know you're ready by looking up at me and raising your hand? I won't embarrass you. I'll just recognize that you did. God bless you, young lady. Very back, young man. A couple, yes. Anyone here? Yes. God bless you. Anyone over here? Yep, behind the sound booth. God bless you. 
Yeah, on the aisle. God bless you. Anyone over here? Yes, sir, right in front of me. God bless you. Young lady, yes. And you? Yes, God bless you. If I miss your hand, don't worry. God never misses a hand. Those of you that raised your hands, would you please talk to God with us? We're going to do it with you. We're going to make it easy. We'll do it out loud all together. We'll ask him to forgive our sins. He will hear from heaven and do that right now. So everybody, please say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you that did that, we'd encourage you to go over to these double doors. We'd love to give you a Bible and pray with you.